Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Wesley Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, let's join Pastor Dave. Open your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 11. Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 11. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. When Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews, with one accord, rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, no, Sosthenes, 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 the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Gallio took no notice of these things. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our gracious Father, we thank you so much for this day to come together to worship you and then to open your word together, to know that that you are here with us. Father, let your spirit just come amongst us, opening our hearts and our minds. Lead us in a direction that only you could lead. Father, we give our hearts and our minds to you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, but please leave those, leave those Bibles open. You know, I was speaking last week um, about, about Corinth, um, the city of Corinth. And, and Paul, as, as he was there, and, and, and starting to, to um, um, build the church, to bring the church together, the church of, of Corinth, one that, was, that is, is one, of the, one of the strongest, one of the best known. But I'd also mentioned the fact about it being such, such an, an evil city, um, a city that, that uh, even, uh, in fact, I had, I had talked about it being um, uh, something like, like Vegas, where we, where we would stay, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and, and all of those things. And, and, but it was even one that, that Corinth, being the city it was, um, was even coined, the, the Romans actually coined a phrase about, about Corinth, saying that people got caught up in the lifestyle of, of Corinth, um, that they were Corinthianized. Um, what happened in Corinth stayed in Corinth. I mean, it was, it was, um, uh, an evil city. And this is where, where Paul was, was, um, building, building a church. And he had gotten to the point 
when he was speaking to the Jews, not the Gentiles, but he is getting to the point where in speaking to the Jews, he threw his hands in the air and he said, I give up on you guys. And, and I'm going to take this message to the Gentiles. Um, and, but the important thing that, that happened to Paul was actually in, in the last, um, uh, two verses of, of last week's scripture, um, in, in verses nine and ten, where Paul, as, as he was down about this, um, and, and, uh, the, the Lord came to him in, in a vision, and he said, do not be afraid, or, yeah, do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and, and no one will attack you and hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Folks, don't be afraid. He told him, told Paul, don't be afraid. And he wasn't. Because you see, in the, in the, in the way the scripture started this week, for the next 18 months, Paul brought the word to the Gentiles in, in Corinth. Now, just to, in, to, in to stay with the history here, they, they, he was, he was preaching in Corinth. He preached for those 18 months until, uh, a, a new proconsul came upon the scene whose name was Gallio. And the, and the Jews rose up against Paul because they figured there's a new guy in town and they'll be able to, to, to get somewhere with him. He'd for sure rule in their favor. And so they, they rose up against Paul and they, they took him down to the judgment seat. And Gallio basically looked at the situation and he said, this has got nothing to do with us. This has got nothing to do with Roman law. This has nothing to do with it. Why don't you guys just pick up your problems and get out of here and settle it all by yourself? Because the government doesn't need to be involved in the church. Amen. They had it right and they never knew it, did they? And, and you know, it was when, when they, when they threw him out of, of the judgment seat. All of the Greeks got mad and they went to, uh, I can never get it right. You gotta, gotta put the, 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 uh, the accent in the right spot. But, so, 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 him. He was the, he was the one that had actually brought the charges up against, um, against Paul. He was the head of, of, of the, uh, of the synagogue. And, and so when it got thrown out, all the Greeks got together and they just, they, they pounded the devil out of them is what they did. Because if, if you were to look, and you don't have to do it now to take my word for it, but in, in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul talks about his buddy who's, who's with him. Same guy. Same guy. And so I figured if, if that beating probably did him some good. And, uh, they just knocked the devil out of him. But why mention all of this in there? Man, it's nice to see the good guys win once in a while. It's kind of nice to look at somebody in government and say, you know, we really shouldn't be involved in religion. And, and you know, rightfully so, this, this could work both ways. Um, you know, maybe religion shouldn't be at the, at the, at the highest parts of, of, of government. But, you know, it's, it's, well, that's another one. That's for another, another sermon at another time to get into all of that. But I'll tell you this. There is something that, that struck me when I was reading this scripture and when I was putting this together and praying about it. And, and maybe I could have stopped right after the first verse because that is what hit me so hard when, when I was, when I was looking at this. And in, and in verse 11, you know, what does it say? And he continued there for a year and six months 
teaching the Word of God among them. That's what he did. He, he took the Word of God to them. And folks, somewhere along the line, we seem to lose this in the church. But I think that, that the main purpose of the church is, is making disciples. But the main purpose of the church on a Sunday morning is to bring the Word of God to the people. It's, it's, and, and why do I say that? Because <laughs> that's what I wrote down. No. I say that because, folks, for many people, the majority of your people, where are you going to see them? You're going to see them on a Sunday morning. And if you're going to see them on a Sunday morning, that is the time that we need to bring the Word of God to those people. To you. It needs to be there. You see, the problem is, is that the church today, in so many cases, has gotten sidetracked with its, with its message. We want to turn it into something else. It, we seem to be a, a family social center when it comes to our messages. I don't know if you've ever done this, but, or paid much attention to it, but when you drive around and, and you look at the marquees out in front of churches, a lot of times you look at the message that, that they're going to be preaching about. Um, and, and a lot of times there's, there's a series that the pastor's coming out with. And, and, and a series for, um, uh, for, to, to lead those people. I get into a series too. It's called the Book of Acts. But it, you know, and, and so it, it's not the same though as what, as what they're talking about. A lot of times what, what you see out there is maybe a better way to communicate with your spouse or, or living with a rebellious team or, or, or teen or, or how to improve yourself. And, and you know, we, they throw in a little bit of, of a, a scripture to validate what they're trying to talk about, but they're not really bringing the word of God. And the, and the church, rather than bringing the Word of God, is trying to turn into a, I don't know, maybe there's more psychology than there is Scripture. And that's not... And I, and I look at what Paul is doing here and, and, what, and, and what he's saying. For the next 18 months, he brought them the Word of God. He brought them that. He didn't teach them how to get along with, with each other because the Scripture actually tells you that. He didn't try to psychoanalyze them. He wasn't looking for that. You see, folks, life, life as we know it exists on two planes. There's a vertical and there's a horizontal. Look at the cross. It means something here. And what I'm talking about, that vertical relationship that we have is that relationship that we have with God. The horizontal is how we get along with each other. And it seems that, that in taking the, the, the psychology, putting the psychology into church on a Sunday morning is trying to teach you how to get along with each other, but we never work on the vertical. The horizontal doesn't work without the vertical, folks. It does not work. We, we need, we need the foundation of, of Jesus Christ in our lives. Don't don't misunderstand me. I, I'm not saying that the church doesn't need to to get into into classes where where we can teach you how to get along with each other, how to get along with with your with your mate, with with your kids, with with all of all of the things. Not on Sunday morning. 
You know, Sunday morning is the Word of God. You see, and, and there's a foundation. There's a foundation to be preached. There's a foundation to be taught. There's a foundation that will help you in your life. And it comes from the Word of God. Let me, let me give you an example here. Um, back in early 2000, um, we, Shirley and I bought a house. Um, before this house, uh, before we bought it, I was actually taking a walk on the, on the neighborhood that we were in, just taking a walk, and I walked by and I saw this for sale sign, and the house just struck me. And so I, no one was living there, it had been abandoned for quite a few months, and, and so I went in and I peeked in the window, and all I could see was white tile on the floor and just the way it was set up. I fell in love with the place. I really did. And, and so we worked out an agreement and, and, um, uh, rented it first with an option to buy and see how it all went. And we ended up buying the house. Um, we, we put a lot into it. We got such a good deal on it. We put a new kitchen in it, you know, tore out walls, made the kitchen bigger, put a new kitchen in it, put a, put a pool in. Um, and, you know, the first thing is, is the kids say, how come you didn't put the pool in when we lived with you? Well, that's because we couldn't afford it. You know, but it, it's, you guys move out. We can afford this kind of stuff. But, you know, it was, the house was turning into, you know, what I had imagined it to be. And, and it was, it was real. I really, I really liked the house. And, um, one day I was out, out in the garage tinkering, doing my stuff and, Walked outside around the side of the garage, and here was this crack. And that crack started at, at, at the ground level and just right along the blocks all the way up. And I went, oh my goodness gracious, what is that? Don't tell me that a house that was built back in the 70s is just now starting to settle. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. We had a sinkhole. And, and, uh, you know, I'll tell you, we, we had been putting money into a house. We had been remodeling a house that wasn't sitting on a good foundation. It wasn't. And, and so we had to figure out what to do. Now, I know that there was other houses in the neighborhood that were, that were going through something similar. I just thought that it would miss us. It didn't miss us. And, and we had, we had put a lot of money into a house that was actually starting to, to settle. And it was, it was starting to fall apart. My, 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 my dream house was, was starting to separate. Um, what do you do? Well, you contact the insurance company. They come out and, and they look at it and, and they decide, well, there's a course of action that we can take here. There was something about that though. The foundation underneath the house was going away. It wasn't something that we could ignore. Because once I saw the crack outside, all of a sudden I started seeing cracks all over the place. There was, there was things that were busting, busting apart. And, and, and I could ignore it. I could have. I could have, we could have gone in and we could have painted on it. We could have, we could have gone where, where corners were starting to separate and gone in there with caulk and caulked the thing and then painted it and everything else. We weren't fixing the problem. There was a problem here. And, and, and then one day, 
it, it was raining, and all of a sudden we had a leak. And, and I'm going, how, how does a, a barrel tile roof, how does that leak? This is a 50-year guarantee on this stupid roof, and now that's starting to leak. The house was coming apart. It was coming apart, and we had to fix it. We had to fix it. And so what they do is they, is they come in and they drill holes all the way around the house and they bring in the concrete trucks and they pump concrete down below underneath the house. And they actually put a mark on, on, on the house and they sit there with a, I got my, my stuff right, transit or whatever. You know, they look through it and they can see that mark on the house and they actually raise the house up. An amazing thing. Amazing. But when they did that, that was, that was, that was a solid foundation. You see, I could have, we could have avoided this whole thing. We could have painted over it. We could have just kept trying just to, to put band-aids here and there and all over. But it never took care of the foundation. Now when it was, when it was done, that rock that rock that was underneath was solid. And that house was, was solid. And, and then I, we could go ahead and we could do all the things that make a house nice. Do all the things that make the house what you want it to be. Folks, that's, this is where the church is missing the mark. You see, you can do all kinds of things in your life. All kinds of things to to make things pretty. You can do all kinds of temporary fixes in your life. You can you can you can learn in a church on how to how to take care of 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 your crazy teenager, or you can do something that's going to teach you how to get along better with your house, <laughs> with your house, with your wife. But folks, if your foundation's no good, you're throwing a band-aid on something. And it isn't going to work. And I hate to say it. There's a reason on Sunday mornings we preach the gospel. Because Jesus Christ is that rock foundation. He is that foundation that will raise you up to being level. And when Jesus Christ is in your life and, and, and is, is hearing the word of God important? You bet it's important. You bet it's important. Because it is that foundation. That foundation in your life. Because folks, if you try to go through this life throwing band-aids on everything else, it's gonna fall apart. It's gonna fall apart. The foundation that you need is Jesus. The foundation that you need in your life is that rock Scripture talks about it. Scripture talks about building that house on the rock. When you build it on sand, it, it doesn't work. You know, everything comes and knocks it down. This is what he's talking about. Folks, this, this church, this church, don't look at me to, to start a psychology class on Sunday mornings. Don't, don't look for anything like this. We're going to get the Word of God. Because that is the rock. And that rock is Him.
And we have to have him in our lives to, to give us that foundation to build upon. We, we've got Communion Sunday this morning. And, and I think that it's so appropriate to, to be talking about this rock that, that we've been speaking of. Um, to, because there's something for us to be thankful for. As, as you're here this morning, if that foundation in your life is, is strong, if that foundation in your life is there and you, you don't feel any sinking sand underneath you, it doesn't matter what goes on in your life and the hardships that you face because you are. Being a Christian doesn't mean that, you, that you're not going to have hardships. Good grief. You're going to have hardships being a Christian. But the, but the good thing is, is that rock-solid foundation is there. And so as we take communion this morning, you're coming to the Lord's table. Folks, I, there's, there's two options here. You come and take communion and, and, and you, and you thank God. Thank Him for being that rock foundation. No matter what I go through, Lord, no matter what I go through, I know, I know you're my rock. Or if He's not your rock foundation, folks, He needs to. And so when you come to the table this morning, come in thanksgiving. Come in thanksgiving for what He's given you, for being that rock. Now come in, in the mind of I need it. I need Him so desperately. I need Him to be that rock in my life. On the night that Jesus was betrayed in that upper room with his disciples, after finishing the Passover meal, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks to the Father. And he broke the bread. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Eat this. When you do, do this in remembrance of me. Those disciples were just about ready to go through a hurricane. They were just about ready to go through one of the most traumatic things that they could ever even imagine. And they were eating bread. They were taking communion with their rock. How do you think they got through that? They got through it with Jesus Christ. After the bread, he took the cup. And again, he gave thanks to the Father and he said, This cup is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Drink this. And when you do, do this in remembrance of me. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus Christ in our lives. Thank you. For being that rock, for being what sustains us in, in this world. Father, as, as we come to this table, I pray that you would touch each heart that's here. We thank you for these common elements. We ask you to bless them. 
Father, that these that these common elements would become the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior for all who partake. And Father, we just we thank you for your gift of salvation in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.